problem solving. <laughs> Three-step process. Right, so the difference between someone who gets where they want to be and someone who stays exactly the same and they feel like they're just spinning their tires no matter what they do. Their bank account stays the same, their life situation stays the same, and they just have a lot of frustration is that they aren't actually able to put a system or your framework around problem solving. So I have a three-step process that I take that anybody can take and it'll instantly give you a structure to all of your problem solving. That way you can actually feel like you're moving forward in your life. Now is this like financial problems, relationship problems? Like what type of problems are we talking here? Is this, it, will this cover any problem? It actually will cover any problem to my knowledge or at least any problem that I have come in touch with to, the, you know, to this point or had experience with to this point. So whether it's financial, relational, um, if, if, if it's in business, if it's emotional, so all of all of those I've been able to co- been able to cover with the three step process. And the process is diagnose, and we'll go into each one like step by step and deep dive each one, and that way you know exactly how to process this and how to act upon. More importantly, not even how to process it. More importantly, how to act upon it. That way you can actually put it into your day to day. That way you can start making the progress that you actually want and start reaching the goals that you've actually set for yourself. So one is diagnose. And two is prescribe, but it's a three-step process. Two is prescribe. So most people would think like, well, if you have diagnosed and you prescribe for it, isn't that done? But really, the number three, in my, in my opinion, the one that's most overlooked is present. So how do you actually go about taking the new action or solving the problem? So that's why I like adding present into the process. So diagnose, prescribe, present. We've never talked about this before, so I'm actually excited to talk about this. I don't think we have we've, talked about this before. We talked about a lot of processes, but not how you problem solve, which I feel like you would think it'd be the first one we talked about, considering <clears throat> sorry, considering everything is a problem. <laughs> there's a problem. There's problems everywhere at all times. <laughs> everything is everything a is a problem. Actually, life is a problem. Everything but, is a problem. You know what's funny about that? Is actually with when you look at perspective. So as an example, many people think they have a money problem. You actually don't typically have a money problem. Right. Because everybody or you can go from the other angle and look from the other perspective is everybody has a money problem. You either have too little or too much. There is no exact right amount of money of once I reach this amount, everything else will go away and like my problems are solved. It's just not the case. So you either have too much money and you arrive to your problems in a Bentley or you have too little money and you arrive to your problems in a broken down Hyundai. It's on a bicycle or on a bicycle or not at all. Yeah. You have to walk to it. Yeah. it could be a number of ways to look at that, but by perspective, yeah, everything in life could be a problem or it could all be an opportunity. It all depends on how you want to approach it. Exactly. Or not even that. It could just be, it's not a problem when you're worrying about things that you shouldn't concern yourself with. So that actually takes us into diagnose. Okay. So, so the first step is diagnose. So step one is diagnose. Okay. And the reason I say that actually takes us into that is because the first question, in my opinion, that you have to ask yourself, that way you can diagnose what the problem actually is, is you ask yourself, was what is my real problem here do i actually have a problem what is the problem that i'm trying to solve can you give me an example of something that would not be a problem like where you you've you've thought about it and you're like this is actually isn't a problem i don't know why i'm concerning myself with this so i am a big believer and i state a lot that your problems aren't real okay and the reason for that is if you ask yourself the diagnosis question of is this a real problem it makes you step backwards so it makes you take a, a, a wide take a wider lens angle and look at it in a different way so if the problem's like right up close to your face like yeah of course it looks huge right yeah. it could be the smallest situational problem i locked myself out of my house right you know is this really a problem are you going to be able to get in your house yes is it going to take half an hour maybe but is it a real problem to actually get furious over probably not no or like work yourself up over no 
Yeah. I think I think that really applies, especially when you're dealing with things on social media. Like we when we first started the podcast, we were like we had some hate comments. We get we get pretty consistent <laughs> hate now. It's it's wonderful. But when you first start and you never oddly look forward to it. Now. Yeah, we actually it's like my favorite part of my day is reading them. <laughs> but when because I've been in social media for a while, but this is all new to you. We so when you first started tweets episode, we do. We will. We will. But mean comments. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's mean comments. Yeah. Yeah. But when you first started, it was different for you because you were like not that you thought mean comments were a problem because you've never really concerned yourself with that. But more your wife, D, she was like, she didn't like that. Yeah. And you, you kind of had to give her that perspective. Like in the long term, these don't matter. Right. Don't concern yourself with this. But when if you aren't in the social media scene and you start it, you're like, oh, this comment was mean. And like you, you make it a bigger problem than it is. Yeah. So let's just, let's piggyback off that one. So you asked okay. for an example. Yeah. So you're saying, okay, other people's opinion. There you go. That's a really good, that's a really good one that a lot of yeah. people struggle with actually. Okay. Let's say you have a problem with that, or you think you have a problem with that. So step one is to diagnose. What is my actual problem? Am I trying to make sure that everybody agrees with me? Probably. Well, that's that's unrealistic, right? Yeah. So if you ask yourself a diagnosis level problem like that, like what are my symptoms of trying to get everyone to like me or have everyone agree with me? Well, I have misery. I have stress. I'm creating anxiety, yeah, which anxiety. you've explained on the podcast yes. before. It's like you get that pit of... A pit of the stomach feeling. Which, yeah. Again, I've never had. So we're not going to get into this today, but we've talked about this. Yeah. Well, which episode was that? Well, we've talked about it in a couple of different yeah. episodes, but um, but like you can have symptoms around. Okay, that's how you're asking yourself. You're asking yourself these questions. You're going through the symptoms, and you're starting to recognize like what is my actual problem. So somebody having a problem with social media or the 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 opinions of others. Yeah there's a very good chance that when you're trying to diagnose like what the actual problem or the root issue is, if you're bothered by other people's opinions, it's probably a self-esteem issue. I was going to say it's probably a confidence problem. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ask yourself those questions, is this a real problem? What is the real problem that I'm trying to solve here? And all the symptoms are pointed towards you and not the opinions of others in this scenario. There's a very good chance like, well, why would someone else's thought actually change the way that I think? Yep. Am I not solidified in my thinking? Am I not proven? Do I not have facts? Do I not have experience and wisdom based on yeah. what I'm talking about? So it becomes a self-confidence or a self-esteem issue at that point. Because I've never met anyone who builds their self-esteem off others. No. It's called self. Self-esteem. Esteem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. It also goes for when you're solving the problem. You mm -hmm. can't, if you're trying to solve the problem of other people's opinions bothering you, you can't stop other people from giving their opinions, like especially on social media. If you want to be a public page, you can't stop the negative opinions from coming in. But what you can do is raise your own self-esteem and confidence. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a great, it's great advice. I know you're not a parent, but that's actually really good advice for a parent out there. Yeah. Is how do I protect my kids from social media? Well, you have two options. One, they can actually never be online and you can make sure you live off grid. It's probably not realistic. That is an option. It's, it's an not, option. and it's honestly, in my opinion, taking opportunities from the kid, but go ahead. Is it? Okay. Yes. Cool. Especially the day and age we live in, like there's so many opportunities for, as they get older that they could. I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Actually. So like, like when I think about how I handle Wyatt, right. I don't, I don't want to say that I completely cut out social, like, well, he's not on social media, but I, I don't cut out like online or yeah. like TV or anything like that. But my, but my main focus with him is every single day. My main goal is to build his stuff, help him, help him. Yeah. I don't build it. Help him build build his self-esteem. That way when he goes out into the world, he's confident. So if there's an outside factor, an outside push or an outside pressure, like he can deflect it. Yeah. Like he can withstand it. He doesn't have to worry about like someone else making a decision for him at that point. 
So in step one of diagnosis, you're asking yourself the question, is this a real problem? And what is the actual problem that I'm trying to solve? And you'd be amazed that when you ask yourself that, you'd be, you're going to be amazed on how often your actions are reflecting trying to solve a problem that isn't that one. Yeah. Like you're not actually diagnosing what's happening in front of you. So a lot of times, if you're trying to solve the wrong problem, or you're trying to do something else that doesn't even solve that problem, you just think it does because you haven't asked yourself that question yet, you haven't truly diagnosed what the issue is or the root or problem Or you're avoiding is. the root problem. Yeah. Yeah. And you do it by habit. Yeah. Like you might not even know that you're doing it, but you're probably turned away from that pain. Yeah, because subconsciously, subconsciously, your goal is to protect your own feelings. Right. So if you're trying to protect yourself, you don't actually know what problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. And it could range, from, and, and this could be a multitude of things. It could range from something very simple throughout the day, or it could be something severe where you actually have a real problem. Yeah, I feel like especially if you are the problem, it could be a pride issue too. Well, nine times out of ten, you're going to be the problem yeah. too. No, you are the problem most of the time, but yeah. 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 Okay. So... so Maybe an example of a problem and how how you would you're diagnosing right now. What's the problem that you've had recently? Oh, I got all kinds of them, right? Just like anybody else. No, no, you're a millionaire. <laughs> you don't have problems. Trust fund baby. Yes, a trust fund baby. Trust fund baby. You don't worry about anything. Yeah. <laughs> you have no worries. Yeah. So, so, so my example might be, uh, let's say instead of fine, you know what? Let's actually use a financial one. So let so let's say. Um, in my situation, in my scenario, let's say a deal doesn't go as well as I want it to. Okay. Right. And I have to, and I, and I decide to sell a property or I decide to structure it in a different way, whatever it, whatever it may be, just, just an investment doesn't go as well as I hoped it to, as I hoped it would. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking that I failed and that it's a problem and that I don't know how I'm going to solve this problem. If I take a step back, and go, is this a real problem? Do I actually have a problem? Is my life any different that the investment didn't work out the way that it should have or the way that I thought it should? And if the answer is no, I don't have a problem. Okay. So I'm trying to solve something that's not even real at that point. So if you know the answer, if the answer is yes, then what do you do next? And if the answer is yes, it's there's some sort of problem, that's when I go into the next step, which would be prescribe. Okay. So I'm determining what the actual problem is. Well, was the problem the investment? Was the problem the economy was the problem me was the problem the type of type of investment that it was like was was it because it was a single family house versus a multifamily property or a commercial property like whatever it may be yeah. like this is this is just kind of a general example but you can kind of place that across the board on many different industries and many different situations in your life so let's say you're having a relational problem right let's say you and a girlfriend are having an issue or you and the wife or whatever it may be and you keep thinking that you're trying to solve this specific problem, right? But you've never actually asked, what is my problem here? What yeah. problem am I trying to solve? It's amazing how often someone will be trying to solve a problem for somebody else. And they don't realize that that's not the problem that's within that person. They've yeah. never actually asked them, hey, what's the problem we're actually trying to solve here? They're trying to solve like, hey, I'm thinking I don't spend enough time with you. Yeah. And in reality, what ends up being the problem is that, you had something going on in your family and you're just bothered and that you just needed an ear, but you never brought it up. Yeah. Usually I feel like it's, you're trying to solve not the root problem, but like an effect that was taken from the problem. You're just, so you're not getting to yes. the root. You're like, you're touching the branches. <laughs> I like that. That was a great analogy. I like that. You're welcome. Yeah. Baby so, group. 
Yeah, you're, you're you're just trying to put out fires of the symptoms instead of solving the yes. actual problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not diagnosed. Okay. So if you think about it, if you ever go to a doctor's office, what's the first thing that happens? Well, they get a baseline, right? Yeah. They get your height, your weight, your age, how you've been doing lately. And then the doctor comes in, right? So this is all done by a nurse, usually yeah. up front. And then the doctor usually comes in, right? Yeah. And what's the doctor do? They get your symptoms. They start asking open-ended questions. Yes. Such as, what is the real problem here? And how are you feeling? And what are the symptoms? And what have you been dealing with? And what else is going on in your life? It's nothing like black, white, yes, no. It's always, you know, very, they're listening yeah. to try to get to the root of what the actual symptom or what the actual issue is. They're not just trying to treat a single symptom. So step one would be diagnose. Diagnose. And it's, do I have a problem? Is this really a problem? Yeah. And then. Nine times out of ten, you don't even have a problem. Yeah. You're just. That's that's the first thing you, you should so do. You have so little pain in your life. You're just looking for things to solve. Yeah. But in reality, you could just sit down and be in peace. Yeah. You could just exist. You don't have to have a problem It's just okay. You know, I'm actually going to say this for everybody. It is okay to be okay. It is. Because everyone always ta- all the time saying it's okay to not be okay. You know what else it is? It's okay to be okay. Yeah. It's okay to be fine. You don't have to have a problem. You don't have to create a new thing to solve it. You don't have to you don't have to come in with your hubris and go, I'm gonna superhero solve everything. I'm gonna break this on purpose, that way I can superhero solve it. I feel like that is especially important for people who grew up in chaos. Yes. Or just like uh, unstable households, unstable relationships, just chaos in their household, whatever it might be. It's okay if you get to the point where you don't have a problem and you don't have to create problems. You don't have to wreak havoc in your own life. Yeah. There doesn't always have to be a problem to solve. To be, to, here's a great way to determine if that's something that you're dealing with and you're unaware of it. Spend 30 minutes a day completely quiet by yourself with nothing around you and see how big of an urge you have to move and get involved in something. Because if you can't actually sit down for 30 minutes a day quietly, there might be some root yeah there what you're talking about like i've grown up in chaos so chaos is normal to me so if i don't have chaos if i have peace in my relationship if my significant other is just okay and i'm not actually comfortable in that space so i have to create chaos that way i can get back to my habit loop of where i'm usually at but it causes everybody else havoc yeah there's a very good chance like that's why your relationships struggle that's why your businesses struggle because once everything's good and you can just focus on being refined and focus on being better each day you're trying to break things because that's actually how you, what you're used to operating. Yeah, you're in. used to operating in a broken system. Yeah, I'm just, just used to operating in fire. Yeah, <laughs> just picking up the pieces, like smashing the glass, picking it up, putting it together, like over and over again. It is incredible how often I see people do that. Yeah, because they're just actually not okay sitting down for thirty minutes by themselves. They're not aware. They're actually completely outside because they've never diagnosed within themselves the root of I need chaos to survive well. Yeah, or to operate. Which that could be your diagnosis. Absolutely. The fact that I need chaos. The problem isn't like, there you go. That's the branches are the problem that you're looking at, but the problem could just be, I need chaos. So I'm creating it. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking. That's why diagnosis is so important. That's why, in my opinion, I am a great investor. Okay. Just because when I go to an opportunity and I'm speaking with a seller, I'm not talking to them about numbers and price. There's a reason I've had houses given to me for free. Yeah. I don't go in and negotiate with price and attack with price and talk about price. I don't do any of that. I'm not the guy who's just like most investors will walk into an opportunity or speaking with a seller or any situation on business that you're negotiating. They're just yelling price over and over and over again. Like they're playing a bad game of charades and they just yell the answer louder and louder, hoping it becomes the answer. 
But in reality, what you should be doing is diagnosing the problem that the seller has. That way you can have a value trade and the solution is you get the property. Yeah. So why would you ever talk about numbers? Yeah, you would not be a good investor or wholesaler if you didn't understand this concept. Right. That's why there's so that's why there's so much struggle out there when it comes to the investment world. That's why you see like the top one percent like thrive. Yeah, because they understand this. And you see everybody else like try to start quick and struggle and go like, well, I've run my comps and I add the numbers, but they didn't accept my offer. Well, if if you are if they're only buying one thing, here's here's an example that I use with people. If you want to trade forex or stocks, and you come to me, and I teach real estate. I am never going to be able to solve your problem by providing you a real estate education program. I'm selling you the wrong thing. Yeah. And you're looking to buy the wrong thing. So we're not a match and that's okay. But if you go to a seller in this scenario and you're not talking about what they're, you're not trying to diagnose what their true pain is. How do you solve their pain? How do you prescribe, right? Which is step two, prescribe. How do you prescribe the correct solution to the pain? So acetaminophen to a headache. Right? There you go. Most people understand, oh, Tylenol or headache or whatever it is. Yeah. How can you be the Tylenol to their headache? You have to know that they have a headache. Right. So you have to ask great questions. You have to ask, what is the real problem here? Well, I have uh, the IRS coming down on me for back taxes and the house is in foreclosure and I have two weeks until the foreclosure date. Or I'm getting a divorce. Now that, or I'm getting divorced. It could be yeah. whatever. Yeah. Now, in that scenario, guess what? You don't ever talk about money. Because the money has gone away. The money is not the problem. Money doesn't matter. So many people will say like, well, I want the money. You don't want the money. You want what you perceive the money to give you. You want the peace of not having the property. You want the freedom from the IRS. Yeah. You don't want the money. Exactly. You don't want the money. You want your freedom back. You want your time yeah. back. You want your emotions back, your capacity. And the only way to do that is by diagnosing, by asking great questions, open-ended questions, such as what is the real problem here? Well, I need to sell for 75. Why? Well, I want 75. Yeah, but why would why would you want 75? What's what is 75, 75 going to do for you? Bingo. Yeah. That's the follow-up question that nobody asks. What's the 75 actually do for you? Well, I want to be able to get a new place and I got to do first month's security deposit and I got to do first month first and last month's rent and I want to be able to have 12 months in reserves. Great. What's that going to take? Well, 40. Well, what's the last 35 for? Well, I got this back situation. Okay, Can well, I solve that without the yeah, 35? Are you, exactly. Yeah. Are you ready to solve that problem? Or do you want to stay in your pain there? Or like, how, why haven't you done this on your own yet? Like that question right there. Is you basically become a therapist. <laughs> You're a professional therapist who sells houses yeah. and buys houses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I, I recognized early on that it has absolutely nothing to do with the boxes and the tops with the tops on them. It has everything to do with the people inside the box. Yeah. So the box, the, the box doesn't make the decision. The person inside does. And that's the exact reason why 50 other wholesalers could go through the same property before you do. Yep. And you will have a greater level of success. And other people will make higher offers and I'll still get the property with a lower offer because it solves their problem. I solve their problem and this person's just screaming about numbers. So this happens internally too with yourself. Like, hey, I want to be able to solve problems for myself. Run this same process on yourself. That's why this topic is so important to me is diagnose, prescribe, present. So... If you're diagnosing for yourself and I've discovered like, hey, this is my root problem. All right. What's next? How do I solve it? Well, you have to prescribe a specific solution. Okay. So you're only able to prescribe when you know what the diagnosis is. Yep. And you can set up systems in, in, in place in your life that when I am feeling this, this happens. 
So if I am feeling down on energy, like what, whatever, let's just create a problem for an example. You're feeling super tired. Okay, so I'm feeling super tired. My prescription to that is knowing that I'm, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at my sleep schedule. And then I'm going to look at my diet. Okay, I can look back at the last two weeks and know that my diet changed. I've been eating out a lot. Yeah, so my prescription yeah. is I'm going to get back to my specific uh diet or whatever or whatever maybe my eating schedule or my sleep schedule like that's a very simple one but you'd yeah. be amazed at how many people actually struggle with that oh i feel like it's more often than you think yeah and a lot of people but they're they prescribing reckon... the wrong thing they'll just grab an energy drink or a coffee yeah see yeah exactly. and people have been doing that they'll do it for 10 years before they realize oh if i just drank more water and had a diet change yeah 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 so they don't it's because they don't actually diagnose what the problem is yeah. they're just trying to put a buffer on it so the prescription is far simpler, in my opinion, than the diagnosis. The diagnosis is the real work. It's the hardest part. It might cause a little pain to find it, too. For sure. And yeah. it also takes the most time. That's why we took the most time on that specific yeah. scenario is because, or that specific step, because that step, to me, needs the most time input into it. And now the prescription stage can be very simple. It can be because you can, because you can set up systems. You can have principles based around this. And you can look back at your history. Well, when do I struggle with this? And when does this happen? And when does... Does this happen at the same time every year? The same time every month? You can start to forecast your problems. Yeah. You've never actually... You, you probably... 90% of the time, you're not going to be dealing with a problem you haven't dealt with before. Yeah. You're Just... going to have your one-off situations. Don't get me wrong. Okay, give me an example of like a time that you had a problem and you realized it was just the same problem as you've had last time. Oh, like every like it it could be it it could be uh, investment. It could I be guess it would, business. It could be hiring. It yeah. could be culture. It could be all of those things have not only happened before to me, but other people, and they've solved them. So how do they? Solve how did them? they do it? Yeah. So how yeah. do they diagnose it? It's because I had to take the time to actually diagnose what my problem was. So I have a friend right now. He recently left a. a a, a position that he just hired well he got hired on for but he had just accepted yeah but he left after only a couple of weeks because the culture was just ruthless the culture is just super toxic right so when you look at that type of problem well what's the diagnosis of that what's the diagnosis of that culture where does it come from why is it the way that it is should you stay there can you solve it and if the answer like depending on your answers well your your prescription is leave find something new and that's exactly what he's done that's why i told him i'm so proud of him in this scenario yeah because most people would stay in that scenario just for money yeah because it's paying well or they think they can fix it because they they're prescribing the wrong fix yeah they're prescribing money will handle this when that's not the diagnosis the money will the make di it worth the mental toll it's taking on me <laughs> exactly when the diagnosis has everything to do with leaving that environment yeah right okay so I, I guess what would be an example of like, I think when you're talking about diagnosis, a good one, like of repeated ones would be relationships. Yeah. So yeah, like, why are you the common if, denominator in a problem? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or like if you say you and D have like a problem that happens like, you know, every six months, yeah. you, you have like the same argument arise. Why yeah, it's always is, her and never me. <laughs> you're never the problem. <laughs> you're so perfect. Yeah, I've, I've diagnosed her as the problem. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Okay. So what's the prescription? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's gonna hear this and yell at you yeah uh, me me wrecking yeah the diagnosis is that it's me <laughs> yeah. um okay so say you have the same problem every six months mm -hmm. and maybe i feel like most of the time when couples have that where the same problem repeats itself over and over again they're probably just not they're not making the right diagnosis absolutely so like for example when we talked about how you guys 
how you have to spend an hour together every morning mm-hmm. to feel good because of your love languages. Yeah. Before that, were you diagnosing the wrong problem? Absolutely. Okay. So talk about that a little bit. I didn't recognize what she actually needed. Okay. So I, so here I am, right? I'm an acts of service guy. So I'm like, I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And I got, uh, I worked in the business and we brought it, we brought in this much money and like we did this and like, don't you feel great? And then she'd be like, I really need you to watch this hour show with me. I'm like, how could you not be satisfied already? How do you, ah, how dare you? How is this spend- possible? <laughs> how is this possible? Because I never asked, well, what is the actual problem? Yeah. Why what? is she not feeling fulfilled? I never asked that. Yeah. You just thought, I'll just keep doing more because she just wants more. Yeah. Turns out she didn't want more. Turns she out- actually wanted less so that you could spend time with her way less yeah it took me so much less time just to spend half an hour with an hour or half an hour to an hour with her every morning in the word that's all it took and you guys were having this problem like probably you said like once a month like it was pretty frequent for a while every 90 days at absolute minimum yeah i would occasionally be able to keep it off bay without recognizing it by you know going on consistent dates because we try to do that yeah but i never recognized what about the date (laughs) actually filled her up oh i'm spending time with her i thought it was like you know this is a great business meeting or something (laughs) like aren't you weren't we productive during that like let me get the door for you (laughs) (laughs) you treated your dates like a business turns out turns out well we started our dates it's like business meetings because we would write yellow letters together in the business but like i forgot no but that was all fun for us but uh my way of showing love was acts of service Thinking way like, oh, everybody feels that way. Yeah. Turns out not everyone feels that way. So my diagnosis was wrong. So therefore my prescription was way off. So it would never last. So think about the person who takes something to feel better for a short period of time. And then they have to take it again and again and again and again and again. Yeah. So if you get caught in that loop of having to take more and more and more of something because you're building up a tolerance, your prescription is wrong. That's like when people drink a whole pot of coffee every day. And it started with one cup in the morning, but by... Uh, five years later they're drinking a whole pot yeah they're drinking a barrel of coffee every morning yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were in you were pretty close to that yeah when you were drinking all the pop yeah oh man I because your, your solution pepper. your body wanted more sugar because maybe you dr pepper will sponsor us <laughs> hopefully yeah <laughs> that would be the perfect sponsor except yeah. for you don't drink anymore except i don't drink it anymore, you have to tell yeah. them that though yeah yeah, we'll take that sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> but like with your pop, you were drinking more and more because your body, you were like having adverse reactions. If you weren't having it, like the sugar, you were getting headaches if yeah. you didn't have it often enough. So you thought the prescription would be to drink more pop. To keep the headaches away. Yes. Turns out the headaches were because you were drinking pop and you actually needed to do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great example. That I'm probably, grasping this one. That'll let, yeah, it's coming together. <laughs> Sometimes on this podcast, I feel like my gears are like turning really, really, really slow. We actually got a few comments about that. People are like, she looks so clueless. <laughs> Today, I'm really grasping this one. Yeah, you're definitely together on this one. That <laughs> that uh, That's a really good example that a lot of people can resonate with, I think. Because this could range from, you know, if if you drink every night, why do you drink every night? If you need chocolate every night, why do you need chocolate every night? Like I needed to pop every day. That way I didn't get headaches. Yeah. And then, and then I had a week of withdrawal, which was horrific. Yeah. That was horrible. And then I lost 12 pounds in 72 hours and it just stayed off after I got off pop. It just stayed off. Yeah. So, because I actually prescribed the right thing. Well, what problem am I actually trying to solve? Well, I want to feel better. Is a drink made of sugar going to make you feel better? Probably not. No, no, I guess not. So my prescription's off. So what would be better? Like, that's a simple one. Most people go like, well, yeah, dumb, dumb. But like, 
I get it. But when you're addicted to something, you're addicted. You, you're to something. like blind to it. That that when you're addicted you're, to something, you're blind to it. You don't know exactly, especially you, when you've been doing it for so long. Yeah, you don't have awareness anymore. Yeah, exactly. So you're prescribing the wrong thing. So you move from diagnosis to prescription, but you have to prescribe the right thing through understanding the diagnosis. Yeah. So what if you diagnose something and you think you've diagnosed it, you prescribe something, but it doesn't work right away? Are you prescribing the wrong thing? That's when you have to look at it and go, am I prescribing the wrong thing or have I not given it enough time? So could be that in the example of the pop, which is a great example. Yes. Three days in. That definitely felt like the wrong prescription. You were on the floor. Shivering. I was shaking on the floor. Miserable. Yeah. It was horrible. It was the worst physical thing I've ever gone through. And so that would, at that time, that would have felt my prescription's wrong. Yeah. But you You probably definitely had that go through your head when you were in the midst of it. I was ready to drink a two liter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But so you have to be aware of if you've had this diagnosis, but you just diagnosed it and you've been dealing with the symptoms of it for many years, you're going to have to give it a little bit of time. Something that you've built a habit of or a symptom from for many years is not going to be solved in 24 hours. I feel like you could do the same thing financially. Like if you have a problem with hoarding money, if you like are, want to live minimally so you have as much money as possible, mm-hmm. the first time that you invest in something, it's probably not going to feel great. It's going to feel terrible. Especially the money if it's a big you. investment. Yeah. So if you invest in say like a $2,000 course, mm-hmm. the money's like leaves you, it's not going to feel great. But what if you give it time and effort, it'll, it'll feel better when you have money coming in consistently. And you experience the return of it. Yes. Like it is an art form to be able to put money out and have it come back to you over time. Yeah. And have you stay emotionally level. I would agree. Yeah. So that, so understanding that another example of this is like, okay, you've spent 15 years blowing up your credit and then you go to a credit repair company and you're like, can you solve this in 90 days? You spent 15 years messing your credit up. Why does someone have to solve it in 90 days? It's not going to happen in 90 yeah. days. might take six months. might take nine months, 12 months. But either way, like you're going to start prescribing the right thing and it's not a delayed, it's not a, it's not a lowered payoff for a credit card. It's building the responsibility to understand how to pay it or not use them. Or how to use it. Yes. Learning how to use it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. By cutting them up and throwing them in the trash. But <laughs> depending yeah. on the person. But, not me. Um, stay okay. safe, though. What's that? I said not me. You all stay safe, though. No, <laughs> stay safe. Stay safe. So we have... Hold on. D- Ow. Keep that Sorry, in. Continue. Keep, that, keep that in. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> I knew that needed to happen, and I was waiting for you to stop talking so I could do it. <laughs> okay, continue. So we have diagnosis to prescription. Now, here's here's the one that gets overlooked in my opinion. And this can be used towards yourself, to other people, towards a negotiation, anything like that. And that is present. So is this like the action step? This is the action step of actually moving forward on your prescription. Okay. So what would that be? So a pop example. Okay. So pop example would be a diagnose. I have a pop problem. I have a sugar problem and it's slowly making me miserable. Yeah. That's a good diagnosis. Okay. Prescription. Stop drinking pop. I know we need to stop drinking pop. Okay. If you don't present, if you don't present it to yourself, if you don't present it to yourself in a specific way, you'll never actually do it. Okay. So I knew that I probably shouldn't drink multiple pops per day. Yeah. At one point, but I never actually stopped. Right. So there's a present period. So if you're working with somebody else, say you're presenting an offer in a specific deal scenario or anything like that in real estate. If you're going to present an offer, you're presenting the prescription to them to show them the value trade of solving their pain. 
So if I have a scenario, one specific scenario, this is a real, this is a real deal. One specific scenario, I had a situation where I was working with a seller and I was like, let's, I, I will literally, I will literally say to the seller, let's diagnose your pain. Let's diagnose the real problem here. Let's actually solve the real problem that's at hand. And they always go, oh, that sounds like a breath of fresh. Like, okay, cool. Okay. What are the actual symptoms? What are you actually dealing with? What's the actual problem at hand here? I have squatters in my house and then they go on on a rant on like all the laws of how all the laws are wrong and everything that's just emotion which is good because they're feeling it yeah and you know that's the real problem if you're getting emotion Mm -hmm. that's the key so okay i have squatters they're stealing from me and i can't get them out of the house i've moved in with my husband i don't want to deal with this i don't know how to deal with this they're stealing from me now i know what that pain's like because i've had squatters before and it's ridiculous we're not going to get into that right now but my point is Let's diagnose the problem. So I asked the question, what's the real problem here? They gave me the real problem. The real problem had nothing to do with money. Had nothing to do with the symptoms of that other people would try to provide a solution. I'll buy the house off of you for 50 grand, for 30 grand, for 100 grand, whatever it is. They wouldn't have cared. So my prescription to her was, how would you like to never worry about this again? And I'll just solve the problem. Uh, I will take over the house and you'll never have to hear about it ever again after we close. And she says, that would be amazing. Like, please, you're like, you'll take yeah. on the, you'll take on this problem. I'm like, I will just take on the problem. I, I will take, I will, you can transfer the house to me. I'll take, I'll take over the responsibility of the house and we'll go through title. It'll be a clean transaction and you won't have to worry about anything. You know, maybe we pay your closing costs. We'll figure that out. That way you're nothing out of pocket on it. But like overall, like I'll take over this responsibility. We know how to do this. We've done it before. And that's when she goes, that would be amazing. So we actually prescribed a real solution to her diagnosis of wanting away from the responsibility as quickly as humanly possible. So we go to closing. What I didn't know is that she showed up to closing with a $36,000 check to pay off a mortgage that was on the house. So she paid off $36,000 on the house to hand us the keys. What? Yep. I didn't know that happened. Yeah. So she did just give you the mortgage. No. She, she paid it off. So the house is literally free. The to house you. is literally free to us. She paid off the mortgage to give it to us because the real diagnosis was the pain of being stolen from and wanting to be away from that, that, that root problem, that squatter problem. That's one of the stories that you would tell if you're teaching wholesaling and people go, that's not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I've had a lot of people tell me like how much of a lie it was. I actually had another set of students who said that same thing. They were like, that's not real. <laughs> And then like six weeks later, eight weeks later, maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that. They actually had a house given to them for free because they went into the situation and they were like, Hey, what's the real problem here? And I was like, you know, the house is in disarray. It's a family home. It's really shameful to me that the house isn't in good condition anymore. And I really want someone to be able to renovate it and make it, bring it back to like what it used to be. So they're like, we'll do that. Like we can take over the house and we will do that for you. And then we'll sell it to someone who's going to be an owner occupant. And he gave them the house. I feel like another really good example of um, prescribing mm-hmm. how you said the next time you do it, it gets easier and easier. Yeah. Is your squatter situation. Yeah. Because the first time you had the squatters, mm-hmm. you can tell the story if you want. But when you had the squatters, it was a, a big, massive problem and you could not figure out a prescription to it. Right. I Because I never dealt with it before. Yes. You never dealt with it. So you had to go through multiple try so many things to get it fixed yeah but then once you solved it not only did you have a prescription for it next time mm-hmm. but you also prevent it you could prevent the problem happening again from happening again exactly i was able to forecast that. yes how do we protect against this yeah so 
even bringing that back to relational, that's why I think this process of diagnose, prescribe, present can solve any problem is because you can just apply that to what you were talking about earlier with me and D. Yeah. Like, how do I forecast when she's not going to feel good? Oh, when I'm getting busy yeah, and I'm you... not, and I'm not present for that hour. If I don't sacrifice something for that hour, I'm going to have a bigger problem on the back end. So why don't I just forecast that and prescribe that early? Yeah. Like maybe cut out an extra 30 minutes of your day. Why not? You're going to get busy, but still give her 30 minutes. Get up half an hour early. Stay up half an hour later with it, like whatever it is. Yeah. And now I can forecast that out because you can build a principle, a set of principles around it. If this, then that. If this, then that. What's a really good example? Maybe like a business example of this for anybody who's watching and owns a business. Oh, that that could be that could be a number of things. Like let's say you're building a sales team. Okay. Or you're making offers and you're not getting things accepted. Well, you're not. Let's use that one for business. I'm making offers to people, but it's not being accepted. And the, this could be anything. This could be you're selling a product. This could be that you're making offers on real estate. It could be investments. It could be anything. If you're making offers and they're not being accepted, you are not providing the right prescription solution to what they believe that they need. So you have to know what they believe that they need and then match it. Yeah. So the one of the greatest examples ever that really painted a picture for me <laughs> was... Um, we hired someone one time to teach us how to sell better, how to understand what someone actually wants, how to create an offer that actually makes sense for people. If, so, if someone's looking for, uh, they want to buy gold and I'm selling stocks. They want to buy crypto. It's never going to, it's never going to match. Right. Yeah. Like, like whatever they're looking for. Yeah. So it has to match and it all comes back to understanding what they actually want. That's why this process works so well i've never had this process not work okay so and this how, can this can range from like doing the dishes well to solving million dollar business problems what at what point in your life did you implement this process when did you did you come up with this where did you learn it from where did this come from where's the stem of this the it root came, of this well it came from a lot of experiencing suffering okay trying to solve suffering right because early on i didn't have any money yeah Trust fund baby rumors removed. <laughs> I didn't have any. He is not a trust fund baby. So when trying to figure out like a solution, a prescription to my pain was my actual pain. Well, my actual pain, I used to say, I used to think making money was hard. I remember saying aloud one time while sitting broke, saying, I said out loud by myself because nobody was around. I wasn't with anybody. <laughs> by myself going, why is making money so hard? Like, why is it so hard for me? It feels so much harder for me than anybody else. I see other people do well. I see other people be able to pay rent. I see other people have the job that's consistent. I was unhirable. <laughs> like, all these things. Yeah. And then I literally said out loud one day, like, why is making money so hard for me? And that was my first real step into diagnosing what was going on with me. What was my actual root problem with making money? And my root problem was I didn't have any skill sets. Nothing. That's when I started to look around and go, there's 500 other people on this sales floor right now that do the same thing, and I'm not good at it, and they are. You, so, like, why would I stand out? You should have mentioned that in the last episode. You didn't talk about it. We talked about your story, like, three episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense, because you were like, I don't know where this thought came from. That's where the thought came That's from. That's probably where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so I... Um, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's over the years really developing, like, oh, yeah, I got to get to actually diagnosing what the problem actually is. That way I'm working on the right thing. Yeah. So that way I'm just not working on this thing over here and hoping it's going to solve this problem over here when I don't even relate. It just Would, feels good to work over here and feel like, oh, I'm busy. But in reality, subconsciously, it's just, just covering distracted. up. It's just covering this up. Yeah. That way I feel good for a period of time. 
Would you say that this is major problem solving more effective? Without question. Efficient? Without, without, without question. Okay. It's effective and efficient. That's actually two different things. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know the difference though. Yeah, but, I do. It would make it, but it does both. It's yeah. making it both. For anybody who doesn't know, efficient is just doing something uh, quickly. Effective yeah. is doing the right thing quickly. Yeah. So but, not only are you solving the problem faster, but you're also solving the right problem. I'm solving the right problem. Yeah. Exactly. So in present, so we've again moved from diagnosis to prescribed. How do we present the prescription? It is through the lens of the other person. What Word that differently. What do you mean by that? Word it differently? Yeah, through the lens of the other person. Just unpack it for you? Yes, unpack okay, that. So what does that I'm, mean? So if I'm going to provide you a solution, if I'm going to present you a solution, I'm going to come from your perspective. Okay. So what's something you want to solve? Oh. You want to make more money. I do want to. I want to make more money. There you go. You want to make more money. Yes. So let's diagnose. We've we've already done this. A little bit of a cheat because we did this the other night. <laughs> but we like, did, we've already run through this problem. Okay, you want to stabilize a little bit. You want yes. To, you, I want stability in my financials. Okay. So the diagnosis is that you are. So one of the symptoms that you're feeling is just like this up and down roller coaster of money. Like I have a great month. I have a crap month. I have a great month. I have a crap month. Like how do I just have feel even throughout the board? Financial chaos. Yeah. Just yeah. I'm creating financial chaos in my life because that's yeah. what I'm used to. Right. How do yeah. I solve that? All right, so we diagnose that you have financial chaos. So the prescription is to create a system in which it forces you to pay yourself a specific amount of money each month, no matter how quality of the month that you have. That way you will always raise yourself to that bar. So now you'll have a baseline of, I'm just going to use an example of 10 grand, Mm -hmm. but a great month you might have 20 grand. Yeah. So instead of having these ups and downs, you have a baseline and then great months. You don't really have down stuff anymore. Okay. So that's my... That was that was my diagnosis and prescription to you, right? Okay, what's the presentation? Now, how did I pre- now? How did I present it to you, though? The other night. Yeah. How did you present? I it? presented it through your lens. I presented it through your perspective. Hey, do you feel like this when this happens? Hey, <laughs> do you feel like this? You when sound this like happens? an infomercial. <laughs> <laughs> I would wake up at three a.m. to you saying that on my TV. <laughs> <laughs> so I presented it through your lens. You did. I presented it as okay. When you have a good month, do you just feel like super liquid and, and elated and I can do anything? And then you said, yes. And then my next question was, when you have a down month, do you just feel like a failure and a drag? And like, why do I, why does, why do I always take one step forward and two steps back or two steps forward and one step back? And then your answer was, yes. Yes. I'm, I'm showing you your pain. Yeah. And then when I present, it's through your lens of to eliminate that. All you have to do is this one thing. That's that's really powerful for somebody who's trying to sell anything. Yeah, without question. Like you, the present step is actually so powerful for selling something. Now, it's really important to sell to yourself. Yes, I was going to say the present step. How does that work with yourself? So, say I'm solving my own problem. You are not there. How would I talk to myself about this problem? Well, no one's better at hiding your own diagnosis than you. Okay. Right? Yes. So I can ask you, or you can ask yourself, like, what is my real problem here? And your brain can go anywhere because it knows the it routes to up, stay away from you. Yeah. It knows what I'm trying to hide. Mm-hmm. That's why the 30 minutes sitting quietly is so important because you can sit quietly for 10 minutes and avoid anything that you want. You get up into that half hour range, you're going to you're gonna find some stuff that you don't necessarily want to find. Your brain starts wandering. Yeah. It, it starts running out of paths to avoid. So that's why, in diagno- that's why I spent so much time on diagnosis there. Yeah. So when you're presenting to yourself, you have to present through your own lens. You have to ask yourself through your own questions. What would I do if I actually had the money? 
That's a good question. What is why? Why do I actually want this money? Yeah, what is the money going to give to me? What's what? What am I perceiving that this money is actually going to give to me? Yeah, that's a really good question. And if you don't have an answer to that, you know you have a root problem of vision. There you go. And the money's going to give you more of what you've already got, like more of who you already are. So yeah, if you're or scared more of lack who you, of vision, it's not going to. If yeah, if you're scared of who you are. Or if you don't know where you're going or you don't know where you want to go, all this money is just going to do, what it's going to do is going to create you more of a problem. You either have too little money or too much. It is far better to have too much money, by the way. It's a much better problem to have. So (laughs) diagnose and prescribe your way to too much money. But Speaking from somebody who's been in both situations. Yeah, from speaking from experience. We are no way saying those situations are the same. No, they're not. Yeah, it is better to have too much, but... But what's so funny about that is that could go all the way back to diagnosis and prescribe because that's one of the best ways that I am able to stay in a positive mindset is because none of my problems are real in that sense. Yeah. If I have an investment go wrong, my worst case scenario, and like through one investment going wrong, is like my life stays the same. Nothing changes. Would I trade my life today for five years ago, 10 years ago? No. Yeah. So I'm grateful. Like we had, we had a tenant have a health issue the other day and it was like, so we installed some things in the house to make her life easier. I'm grateful for the expense. Yeah. I much, I much more, I like, I would much rather have my quote unquote problem of having to add money into a property than to have the problem where she had a health, like then trade a for vacancy that. instead because she's. He, he, like yeah you know of her, of her having that problem like yeah hopefully she gets better so yeah just having perspective having understanding being able to zoom out a little bit but the presentation piece is what people overlook they don't they don't recognize that to present to change something in themselves they have to present it to themselves in a way that is attractive enough to change i think a lot of people skip both the diagnosis and the presentation and they just want the prescription and they okay <laughs> if there was a free pill that built your confidence, added the potential to make more money to your bank account, made you lose 20 pounds, made you lose 20 pounds, make you look better, make you last longer, make you <laughs> make you more confident, build your strength, solve health issues, all of these things in one pill. And I told you it was free. Would you take it? Yeah. It's called exercise. <laughs> Yeah. It's called exercise. It's called practice. All of these things are hidden behind that. So like if you can build a system of becoming physical, becoming active, taking action, all of these things become free. I think a lot of that comes from like our wanting everything just to be like one solution. We Inst- just want it's the instant gratification that everybody wants today. Yeah. Nobody wants to nobody wants to see gradual progression. Everybody just wants the solution. Which was funny. Is if you get good at this process, diagnose, prescribe, and present, it is almost instantaneous. Yeah. Especially with the little problems. For sure. Oh, for the sure. little problems. It eliminates them before you even get the prescription. Yes. And this you goes, diagnose it and you go, not a real problem. Yes. And this goes back to the whole anxiety conversation because if you, when you first start this, if you don't, if you don't have this process and you like have anxiety, you deal with that, you, you have a problem and then it could not even be a problem at all, but it'll wreck you for an entire week. Yeah, so now if you can diagnose it before it gets to you that week, you save six days. Yes. So you didn't even have to prescribe or present anything. You just recognized it wasn't a real problem and it was fake. Yeah. And we're just used to having creating a problem. Or if it is a problem, you still save five days. Say it takes two two days to solve the problem. Yeah, and what a, that's a huge win. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so I don't think burnout's real. We'll have this conversation another day. He doesn't <laughs> think burnout's real. I don't think burnout's real. I really don't. Because every time that I have a feeling of quote unquote burnout, I diagnose it and it has nothing to do with what I believe the burnout is around. And I've never had it be around the topic that I thought it was ever. Give an Not example a of a time that you've had this happen and what the problem was. Because I feel like the people, we haven't had the burnout conversation on the podcast. We've been arguing about this. Not me, but every person that I bring around him in my life, he loves to <laughs> argue with them about burnout and if it exists and what it means. So, um, the clinical definition of burnout, I don't like, I don't think is real. Okay. So, and, like, what's an example of a time when you thought something was burnout and you found the solution and it was something else? Uh, when I thought. I was working too much in the education business. Okay. What was the diagnosis? The diagnosis after I really explored and asked myself the right questions had nothing to do with the education business, had everything to do with how I was treating myself, how I was treating others and how, and the relationships that I had set up at the time. It had absolutely nothing to do with the education business. Okay. I agree with you. I don't think burnout's real. I'm yeah. not arguing. I'm not here to argue with you. I just want people to understand why you're saying that. Yeah. I th- like, I think you can legitimately diagnose yourself through burnout. Okay. Like another example might be like, Oh, I'm, 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 I'm burnout on, uh, it, it's usually work. It's usually the person's job. They're like, it's oh, usually the person's job. Yeah. Right. So if we stick within that, if it's, if it's the person's job, well, I'm just burnout in this job. Well, what is it? Ri- what is See, and they can also never really define what burnout is. They, yeah. they, they just use the word in exchange for I'm tired. Yes, well, I'm why- tired or I, I don't want to do this. Yeah, well, why are you tired? Well, I do it for 18 hours a day. Yeah, it's your choice. Why are you doing it for 18 hours a day? Yeah, so you're di- like, if you ask yourself the right questions, you can diagnose and prescribe yourself, uh, well, I'm going to give myself two hours a day to play video games. I'm going to give myself an hour a day to eat. I'm going to give myself an hour. And now it's like, because you have a plan behind it, you immediately feel better. That's not burnout. Yeah. That's not burnout. That's just you unwilling to make a change that you absolutely know that you need to change and you're not willing to face it. I would honestly challenge the people, the viewers, to next time they find themselves saying, I'm burnt out or I fe- I'm feeling burnt out to dig deeper than that yeah. don't don't leave it at that don't say i'm burnt out and then go to bed don't leave it at that because yeah. you're never going to solve your problem by doing that yeah this yeah that's just a surface level that's you avoiding the actual problem yeah that's you that's you diagnosing something incorrectly is the problem your jobs is it your relationships that you're participating in is, is it, it an you, activity you're doing is it because you're spending 10 hours a day on social media yeah and you're not getting enough actual culture in your real life and you're like the, the people around you yeah is it a self-confidence issue yeah is it self-esteem yeah am i caring too much about what other people think right now why am i thinking like that like yeah. the, all of these will diagnose you to like an actual route that you can solve i think the most common when people say burnout is creative burnout I hear it so much in the creative industry. Creative burnout? Yeah. That's because they have absolutely no structure to anything that they're doing. They're just especially, creative and they're not especially running creative. a business. They have this stallion yeah. running around in their head with absolutely no saddle on it and it's just taking them for a ride. That's absolutely <laughs> that what that a is. a really good visual. That's absolutely what that is. They're just going insane <laughs> because they don't have a structure to their day. They don't, mm. they don't sit down and go, I'm going to write for this two hours a day. I learned this from Jerry Seinfeld. I'm going to write for two hours a day and that's it. Yeah. No, and you can't, do, it, and you can't do anything else in that time block. So a creative person 
they just let them like well i work when i feel good well the problem is you only feel good 10 percent of the time so then the other 90 percent, you're like i'm burnt out yep. i worked too hard bingo also why don't you feel good because this just in i'm a creative person are you yeah most people like wouldn't think like that no the transformer behind you you don't think that says oh yeah i'm creative optimus prime <laughs> roll out exactly uh, so, exactly yeah i'm a creative person like so if i don't have structure i found freedom through structure yeah so when i got to the point well i should say when we got when me and the wife and the family got to the point where we had like ultra freedom like go wherever you want do whatever yeah. you want whenever you want the, you we found a lot of chaos in that yeah we found a lot of struggle in that then when we set up structure, because I didn't have a system set up or a process set up where I could diagnose, prescribe, and present anything, and I, I wasn't aware of that. And then also, I couldn't figure out, or I didn't have a process to solve problems where, well, why isn't D feeling good right now? Because I didn't have a structure where I was like, I'm going to spend an hour with her in the morning about this, and that's what fills her up. I think an example of the creative that I've dealt with mm-hmm. would be, say I say I'm feeling creative burnout. And I have been working like my, I used to say in the fall, cause fall's my busiest season. I would work for three months straight every single day, sometimes like three, 10 hour weddings in a weekend. And then like seven days a week, I'd just be working photos. And then when I'm not working, I'm editing. So I'm still working. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to say by the end of fall, like I am creatively burnt out. I don't want to touch a camera. The problem isn't that I'm burnt out. The problem is that I'm scheduling too many shoots mm-hmm. and I'm overbooking myself. And then you think, okay, so the actual problem might be that I'm not charging enough for my shoots. Look at that. Because I'm working so much that I need to make more money. So you get, see, you started, you were, you, by habit, just adopted trading time for money. Yeah. That's how deep it can go. Yeah. Subconsciously, you just chose, like, if I want to make more money, I got to do more shoots and do more shoots. I got to work more, longer hours. Which isn't true because if I have the demand that I have, you can, I can raise my rates. Supply and demand. So I don't have to work so much. And then I could have a day off in the fall every week. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so if you have five people demanding your time over the course of a month, yeah, you might you might be a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks. If you have five hundred people demanding your time five days a week, you're now five grand a month. Or shoot or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. So people don't raise their prices in accordance with their skill sets. That's yeah, that's another problem. So but what a great diagnosis for yeah. what you were going through right there. That was a great example. Because it it wasn't what I thought it was the first time or the second time. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, it isn't that it's the problem isn't that I'm just burnt out. It wasn't that I'm working too much. Mm-hmm. It was that I, I'm not uh, charging enough. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, I didn't realize my value at the time. You didn't. You, the value trade wasn't there. Yeah. That's a perfect example of going back to the doctor scenario of like when they're when you're when you're at the doctor and they're and they're diagnosing and prescribing. At no point do you think about money. You're thinking about a value trade, and the value trade is that you feel better. So yeah. in an investment and in a real estate deal. The like my example of the house being given to us, being paid off and then given to us, is it was always a value trade. It's never about money. It's never about the numbers. Yeah. It's always about the value trade. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. So if you focus on the value, you'll be able to trade. You'll be able to present that to others and to yourself. Perfect. So, so we just told everybody how to solve all of their problems. Any problem that you have, I really believe that. And I don't even think you can say it's not any problems. Like, I I think you're right. There could be a few one-offs. But in some way, shape, or form, it could probably be solved with this. In some shape or form. So. In some capacity. There's obviously fake problems. And there's obviously real problems. 
so a real problem, you know, it might, you know, your life might be in danger. Yeah. Or a relationship's in real danger. Or there was a trauma or there was an accident. Like, those are all real problems. I'm not saying yeah. that real problems don't exist. But I'm saying is nine times out of ten, the thing that we think is a real problem... Is not a real problem. Is not a real problem. Yeah. Because if you can get past it, if you can run it through a filter of, is this life endangering or financially crippling? If the answer is no, you have the ability to run this process. Even if, even in those scenarios, you can run that process and maybe you can get yourself out of it quicker. Would you say that leaving a multi-million dollar company is a real problem or a fake problem? No, a fake problem. So you think that was a fake problem? It was a fake problem without question. But for a, a period of time, I thought it was real for because sure. Until I ran, until I continued to practice my system for uh, diagnose, prescribe, present because. Yeah. The problem I was trying to solve wasn't financial. Yeah, because it, there was I never no... had a money problem after leaving the, the 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 business. Exactly, it wasn't a money problem. Yeah, because there was no immediate endangerment of anybody. Right, you, nobody was in danger, and there wasn't. It wasn't financially crippling. Correct. You you were under the impression it could be out of like a fear. Just just like a generalization and other people saying things to yes. me, like, yeah. "Oh man, is this a bad idea?" Like you can't you can't leave that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And had not exactly. That is a great example. Look at you pulling out all the stops. That is a great example of me prescribing something at first that had no diagnosis behind yeah, it. Yeah, you truth. didn't have a diagnosis. Yeah, because the prescription was staying there because because I didn't have any money problems. Yes. So people were just kept talking about money, 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 money. I'm like, I don't have any money problems with that. Why am I worried about that? I'm not leaving a Fortune 500 company here. Yeah. Like. <laughs> like this is this isn't a publicly traded company or anything like that. This isn't affecting investors and all this. There was no debt behind it, and like it was what I was actually trying to diagnose and prescribe to myself was a different direction that was more meaningful to me and my mission. Yeah. So when I made the when I made the decision, there's a reason everything immediately felt better, and I no longer felt quote unquote burnout. It's because I prescribed the correct prescription solution to the actual diagnosis of what I was dealing with, the actual root. Not everything else around it. So what would you leave the people with from this video? The past 55 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So they have everything they need to know. They know what they need to do. I, re I really do. Like, okay. Spend time in diagnosis. Spend, spend time alone. Yes. Before any of that. Spend before there is a problem. Yeah. Spend, spend time alone. Spend 30 minutes by yourself every single day in complete solitude silence no phone no netflix no get, music yeah, just get, sit there yeah no dopamine whatsoever yeah. definitely no music nothing yeah just sit quietly in a chair for 30 minutes a day and it's you you'll be amazed on the things that you come up with and recognize and realize when you take that step back and you start to see there isn't a problem oh that's weird there isn't a problem or Oh, this is the problem. Yeah, or what the actual problem yeah. is that we can diagnose it and then prescribe and present yeah. it to yourself. Yeah, or present it to others. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. tell them the steps one more time. Spend time in diagnosis. Diagnose the true problem. Ask yourself the right questions of, is this a real problem? What is the problem that I'm actually trying to solve here? Prescription. What are you going to prescribe? to? What, what solution are you going to prescribe to that diagnosis? And then how are you going to present how am I going to present this to myself? That way it's an attractive enough way and a rewarding enough way that I'll make the change or to someone else. That way we have the proper value trade. That's what that run those steps. One, two, three. And just never have problems again. <laughs> and solve all of your problems in three simple steps. Three simple steps. Wyatt used to watch this 
it was a YouTube video or Netflix or something. I can't remember what it was, but they always said three simple steps. Never heard that, <laughs> but we'll, we'll make a music video yeah. for next week. Yeah. Yeah. Kids, <laughs> uh, find the kids video that says three simple steps. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs>